Hello and welcome to the season two finale of Stranger Nerds here on the Jersey Nerds Productions. I'm Mitchell Lee alongside Tommy Grant, Nick Izzo, Connor Vandermark, not able to join us for this one, but he is here in spirit. No, he's not dead, but he's just not, not with us currently, but he'll be back for season three. Season two, guys, it's finally coming to a close and... The rough grades of this particular season have not been as strong as season one. However, the last episode that we talked about with the second best average of any episode that we've talked about so far, save for the finale of season one. So got to imagine that we're expecting big things for the finale of season two. And I, I was upset that I was I was not able to make it for that episode because that definitely was my favorite episode of the season. Um, but yeah, well, the series so far, it's your highest grade. I know it's. I have favorite. I have more favorite episodes in season three and four, but up to this point, it was definitely the one of the highlights of the show. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just excited to get into season three at this point. Season two. Like you and I have said, Mitchell, it's just the lull of the the show. And I know it's definitely been reflected in not just ours, but even Connor and Nick's scores. It's just, you know, it's good. just wasn't there. But season three, I'm very excited to see Connor and Nick's reactions to just the shenanigans that goes down and how the whole tone of the show kind of changes. Because we definitely do see a whole well, shift. Connor... Connor gave the last one a 9.65, which was his second highest grading for wow. the, the show so far. And Nick, yet to get past that 9.2, it's just kind of plateaued there. He's given <laughs> three 9.2s, not gotten past that mark. I was Ooh. not quite as impressed. 8.62, not even my highest grade of the season so far. However, things can always change, and we've got a finale coming up, and the last finale is our highest graded show so far. So let's just go ahead. Let's dive right in season finale. Yeah. Tommy, take it away. We, we pick up right at the start of pretty much the ending from the last episode where we have 11 kind of making her entrance and Mike just, they embraced Mike still kind of in shock of like, holy shit. Like she's here. She's alive. And, it quickly shifts from happy and excited to looking at Hopper and realizing, wait, you've been lying to us this entire time. And Mike has some choice words for Hopper. And we, <laughs> we definitely see Mike kind of unleashing all those built up emotions he's had for this past year, thinking she's been dead. And now realizing the one person they should be able to trust has been lying to all of them for this entire year. And I, I understand. I like that Hopper let Mike get that yeah. out of his system. I thought that was a, a real good move on his part. Yes. I think it's also come to play with how Hopper's kind of come into more of a dad role. So he's been more understanding of uh, teenage emotion and kind of understanding like, hey, I need to let these kids vent for a second because we just literally flip their worlds upside down not to, you know, throw a pun in there, but yeah, it, it was a funny scene of just Mike just quickly shifting straight to Hopper and it's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Honestly, but. 
it kind of made never me got the vibe him. that Mike really thought he was dead. Yeah. Dislike who, Nick? Uh, Hopper or Mike? Mike. Like, he annoys the shit out of me. I gotta be honest. Well, like, I... Many... This is, this is no many... spoiler, but I, I have been very vocal about this, but Mike Mike's character takes a very quick shift downwards in Season 3 for me. And it's definitely just that teenage angst that they throw into his character specifically and and never quite I, recovers i think no, season one and season two peak mike it goes downhill yeah it, it you're gonna hate him a lot more next season it's just like yeah he <laughs> is like the epitome of like the the first word that comes to mind for me is like like ornery like he's just just annoying good word like he's just i don't know like i know he means well he's a good friend his character is not bad but just like just him talking and like his temper tantrums just like dude just calm down come on (laughs) like just like jesus but Shifting over from Mike, we have Eleven kind of, you know, seeing all of her friends again. She's, It's funny how the first thing she recognizes is Dustin's teeth, which Dustin has been very proud of this season. And, of course, he does his little, you know, I don't even know what you call it noise, but. <laughs> I can't make it. My teeth That's close <laughs> enough. But, yes, he, he rolls his sound, arm. That is sound like Godzilla taking a nap. That, yeah. A little Godzilla-Chewbacca combination. It was a. <sighs> Not yeah, great. Not. Is that is that what you were looking for? It's close enough. Not really, no. Oh, okay. But to to save our viewers, but, but I, to I, I, more of our attempts to make this noise, we'll we'll acknowledge we know exactly what we're referring Max. to. Max, <laughs> Max is just trying to be friendly. Like, hey, I'm Max, and Eleven's like, Ooh. yeah, bitch, I know. And the fucking cold <laughs> shoulder, Eleven pushes off. It's funny because you know what. For someone who's been in complete isolation for a year, you would think you might be open to, you know, talking to new people and, you know, having an actual girl to talk to. But it just goes straight to, you talk to my boyfriend. You were dead to me. Try to take my man, bitch. (laughs) You ride your skateboard around him? Not today. Yeah. No. I feel bad for Max because she she definitely is trying to put her best foot forward and, you know, just be friendly and just 11 just has just wants nothing to it and just go straight to Joyce, the mom figure of the group. <laughs> Sorry, I just I just read on the show notes 11 and Joyce go see Will, who does his best acting while sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for that. I thought you'd appreciate it because I figured oh, we would do a little bit. I, I do. I, I do. I, it... <laughs> I was great. really hoping Connor would be on this yeah. for the for this purpose as well because I thought he would get a good kick out of that note. But it it it's true. The best acting he's done in this show is while he's pretending to be asleep, possessed. I'm glad I'm not alone on this. I appreciate people being in my corner. And I'm being a little extra critical for the sake of the show, but you know, watching it so many times, I never really minded it. But now that we're kind of really diving into the show and analyzing it, yeah, it's just it, it's bad. 
Yeah, but, now that you have four page show notes, you're putting grades on things, you're reanalyzing yep. things. I, I got it. It's hard to avoid. As much as I love the show, I have to find reasons to, you know, criticize a little bit. And Noah Snap just happens to be a perfect scapegoat for that. So, hence, hence the notes of uh, how bad Noah Snap is. But Eleven and Joyce have a little conversation, um, basically like talking about the gate, and Eleven mentions like. I think I can close it. And she kind of has a little like personal one-on-one of like Joyce being desperate again of like, can you help Will almost kind of back to the same conversation they had back in season one where they first met, but it's just a quick little scene. And then we get a little flash to the gate where we just see a whole army of little mini demo dogs as Dustin likes to call them. And that kind of sets the tone for the whole episode of we're going to try and find a way to save Will and Eleven's got to find a way to close the gate and get past this massive army of demodogs. And Nick, what were you expecting? Uh, what were you expecting to play out with these demodogs? What was I expecting? Um, I mean, the stakes were I mean, high. I mean, last Last episode, we literally saw Bob get ripped to pieces. Yeah, yeah, I, and I was I was sad that um, <clears throat> excuse me that you were not uh, here to talk about the great Sam Weiss, uh, Sam Weiss Gamgee and his um, <laughs> untimely death. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I guess going into going into this one, it was it was a thought that like. You know they would they would spread out into uh, into the rest of Hawkins, and then you know people would find out what was going on. But uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I can't say I really had a, any other expectations other than to uh, you know have the group like you know yeah. fight them and, and fight them and whatnot. Now, now having seen this this episode, I was curious, kind of a quick little tangent, but like, had they not been able to close the gate? Do we think we would have just seen Demodogs like running rampant like across Hawkins? Like would have been just like unleash hell kind of deal? Or do we think we would have just kept seeing them kind of doing little sneak attacks here and there and just picking off easy prey at night? Cause with how many there were like we never really get an idea of what the mind flayers actual intentions and goals were. Because eleven managed <laughs> to click the what are your ambitions? <laughs> well, we we can't we don't get well, any on my vision guy, board. We never get a bad guy monologue because it's really a shadow monster possessed by Noah Snap who doesn't give us any information. So we have to just kind of ponder and come up with a use our imagination, figure out what the hell it was trying to do. And that's the one thing I've always wondered is what was the actual plan had Eleven not shown up and closed the gate. But that's just my little food for thought there. But to get into the episode, I think we'll knock off this quick little storyline and just get it out of the way. And that's Billy starting to play a little bit of a role in the show finally, but in a much more creepy way. And Nick, you kind of mentioned before... <laughs> Nick kind of mentioned it before we started recording. Miss Wheeler's this... the one. They just have a very weird connection right off the bat 
and it, it's kind of kind of goes into play with what you know Jonathan and Nancy talked about last season where you know he mentions like the whole how Mrs. Wheeler kind of just settled for Mr. Wheeler and it's like a bored housewife type personality and we kind of see that flesh out a little bit in the fact that like she's taking a bath reading a romance novel and all of a sudden this you know you know young stud as you will kind of just shows up at the door and she's in her bathroom he's flirting with her right off the bat and she does not hesitate to just reciprocate it and it's just it's a weird little story plot that they thrown in there and i i don't think it was necessary you know that she ain't getting it from you know yeah lazy lazy ass they they do have three kids i mean and their youngest is only like four or five years old so who knows you know but it's definitely uh more of a relaxed, boring relationship between Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler. He I just like how he gets mad like that nobody answers the door when he's right in front of it. Well, he was asleep. He was asleep for that particular part. So Billy was just going to be like, hey, um, I'm going <laughs> to flirt with this woman. And because I know this... <laughs> This useless piece of wood behind him is not gonna, or behind her is not gonna well, do like anything. The, that's, and he's just like, that's the thing. Hey, though, it's like, how wood. did he? How did he not wake up though? Like at all from all of the, the rings of the doorbell, and then them talking, and then they were in the kitchen. Like how? Like he's just. I'm ready for season five where we get the reveal that he's actually been the smartest one this whole time. He was awake during that. He knows that his wife is trying to uh, sleep around on him. That would be. And he knows everything and he's got a plan. I feel like that'd be the plot twist of the biggest plot twist of any show I've watched. Probably. Mr. Wheeler is the genius all along. He's just been. That's probably watching more, everyone. That's probably more of a plot twist than the first time I watched the Truman Show, because that was <laughs> that was a plot twist and a half right there. Yeah, but he leaves that one. He's like, "All right, I got, I got Mrs. Wheeler in the bag," and Mrs. Wheeler's just like, "I'm gonna be thinking about that kid, that 16, 17 year old kid." You, I mean, absolutely, damn pervert. Thinking She's about him for the rest of the day because, yeah, well, Ted ain't playing with anything or whatever his name is. His name is Ted, right? Mr. Yeah. Well, the, I, I always find it funny, though, is the fact that Ted is such a deep sleeper that he has a complete stranger, one ring the doorbell, and is in his house flirting with his wife, and he has no clue. Nah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He was awake. He was awake. And yeah. We're gonna get a reveal in season five that he's the smartest one, and he's just been silently gathering information, waiting for the time to make his move, and he's gonna make it in season five. It's coming. It, it's very funny you mentioned that. Words. We once we catch up to season four, because also by the way, uh, to, they've officially announced they've officially started production for season five, so it's officially in the works. But when hey. season four, when season four was coming out, there was a lot of fan theories and rumors going around that Mr. Wheeler was like a secret spy this entire time. And that's why they, well, that's like like, those like Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord type. 
yeah it's a very like, far stretch that's but like kind of dumb there, there was a lot of fan theories coming out of the works i think it was just people hoping that they would actually do something with his character other than make him just a dope but just having you say that it just brought that kind of to my mind but i think we spent a little too much time on billy so let's let's move on from that because yeah <laughs> it's a, it, we we definitely see more billy later in the episode we have a lot to cover and we billy will be returning shortly but um so billy back to Jones. back to the main party and we're we're in full force where everybody's kind of teaming up it's just kind of a big information dump and i kind of like this scene because we didn't really get a lot of character team ups in this season it's been a lot of everybody separated and not so much working together and a lot of people going side quests but this is like the first time where everybody's everybody's at the table we got hopper and joyce nancy jonathan steve the rest of the party they're all there planning and and that's the first time we've kind of really seen it this season and i enjoy that because we don't even for the rest of the show we don't get a lot of scenes where all of them are in the same room together but we get a little interaction between, you know, characters. We don't get to see a lot of like Dustin and Hopper where Dustin's making the joke about like the demo dog and Hopper's like, is this really fucking important right now? And Dustin's like, sorry, sir. And just stuff like that. It's just, we don't get to see a lot of different characters interacting. Um, but we finally get them kind of creating a plan of piecing together that will is will can't be part of the plan because obviously he's still a spy and they can't close the gate because they're afraid if they close the gate that'll kill will because he's part of the host and you can see joyce when they mention that kind of going to shock because she was so so for like let's close the gate let's kill this monster and she didn't even for one second think that how would this affect will if they close the gate and you kind of see that, you know, Winona Ryder doing some fantastic acting, just her facial expressions kind of like just drop of like, Oh shit. I even think of that. I could have killed my kid. So stakes are high. And, but then it's, it seems, it seems like she's kind of like, all right, if we're going to do that, then we've got to just, burn this thing out of him yeah it, because well, will was like i like it cold he likes it cold well c- well because joyce was so for the whole closing the gate plan and that's when she kind of realized like all right well if we can't just close the gate right away we need to i gotta be kind of harsh to my kid yeah and so she's like all right yeah. well, we gotta because she's thinking about bob go. yeah oh dude he's like I, bob's not dying in vain no that's right and it's so yeah. funny because like it's almost like she I don't want to say she blames him, but it's almost like in some scenes, like the way she acts it out, it almost seems like she's mad at yeah. Will. Like you're the reason Bob is dead. And I had a good, was, you know, a uh, good thing going. I had some comfort and you yeah. took that away from me. And she she definitely rages out a little bit, which I love because she's Winona Ryder's just a badass in general. She's like the perfect casting for Joyce. But she quickly kind of looks around the room and realizes, like, we're literally giving this monster everything it wants. We need to cut that shit out now and find a way to flesh it out. And that's where, you know, Joyce, Mike and Nancy are kind of 
talking things out and like, well, if it's a virus, we just got to sweat it out. And hopefully that will free will and then we can close the gate and everything will be fine. So Hopper comes up with the idea of basically sending them to his cabin because nobody knows where that is. So even if Will is awake, he wouldn't know where to send his little army of dem dogs because no one's been there. So we get kind of everybody splitting up and Nancy and Jonathan have a little scene where they reconcile. Steve talks to Nancy and was like, you should go with them. Like, I think that was a cool move by Steve because Steve's kind of just accepting his role as the adult babysitter, which I think is hysterical. Yeah. It's just, it's just more of, I love you love Steve in this I love Steve, Steve in the season chemistry the with Dustin. Yes. But it's not even just that Dustin now at this point. He's just kind of accepted the fact like he even said he's like, I might have been a shitty boyfriend, but it turns out I'm a badass babysitter. And it's true, and he's just fully taken on that role. And it definitely expands into season three, but this is like the very start of it. But he just kind of has a really mature moment with Nancy where he's like, you know, you should go with Jonathan. Like, I'm going to stay here and take care of the kids. Um, And then so Jonathan, Nancy and Joyce and Mike are taking Will, who is just unconscious because they keep knocking him out with drugs, which is also pretty funny because it's just another way to keep Noah Schnapp from having to act, which is why. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> This was this was the pure episode of just Noah Snap just being carried around and sleeping. But Hopper's giving instructions to Jonathan on how to get there. And then Hopper and Eleven are going on their little side quest to go to the gate. And the rest of the party are kind of just stuck there in limbo with nothing else to do. And that kind of sets up the episode. And it's almost like the end of like Fellowship of the Ring, where everybody just it's like side quest central everybody's going their own direction doing their own little side quest yep so i think the first and most important one is to focus on hopper and 11 uh because it's a pretty short arc but a lot of cool shit happens you get hopper and 11 kind of having their little bonding moment driving to the lab where hopper opens up and basically apologizes for everything that happened and says he's being stupid they talk about sarah a little bit and how Sarah's gone, and that's why he's been so protective of Eleven, because he's afraid of losing her, too. And it's a, a sweet little moment from Hopper kind of just finally opening up and just letting his emotions out, because he's another one. He's just a stubborn, older guy, and never really has had to you know, show any emotion before, and he's never had anybody to open up to, and now he's finally doing that to his unofficial daughter. And we get them finally arriving at the lab where we see Dr. Owens. And Nick, because I was on last episode, I, I didn't get to ask you, has your tone shifted with Dr. Owens? Because you've been Not... very, he's the villain of the story for the entire season. Yeah, has your opinion yeah. changed? So I will say that my opinion changes in the standpoint that I don't think I still don't think he's a good guy. Okay. I don't think he's the main villain. I don't think he I don't 
I don't think he's villainous, but at the same time, I guess he's more more mischievous than okay. anything. Do you um, think he's gonna be coming back as a villain? Is that why? Like, do you are you convinced he's still a villain in that sense? Because so far, yeah. like, in this episode, like even towards the end, we'll get to like where he basically does Hopper a huge favor. And right, right. He helps so, like, that last episode. So that part, so that part was cool to see. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. But the way that I see it is that without the situations that went on, who's to say that he would have, he would have done those things? You know, like to me, it's like he, he did those things out of service because you know they they helped him or saved him yeah so that's why that's why to me he's still like not a good guy because i think without like if if none of the quote demo dogs escaped and he was able to just conduct his research like i I don't think he would be necessarily like the nicest guy because he could just Go do what he do what he's been doing, but I think when given the opportunity, yes, he will he will help because you know it's kind of like a hey, I owe you because you saved me, blah blah blah. But at the same point, I don't. I also don't know how he you know lived. I'm sure we'll get into that, but well, I'll give no context behind it, but he does return in a future season. Okay. You get more of Dr. Owens after this season. So that's why I'm asking. Cause I'm just curious to where your, your standpoint is on his character. I still think get... he's, I still think he is not a good guy. Okay. Whether or not he'll be a main villain. Maybe, maybe that part has changed, but I don't think he's, I, I, I don't think he's a good guy. Fair enough. So we get Hopper and Levin going through the lab. They come across Dr. Owens, who another question I have for Dr. Dr. Owens. How did he survive this attack? Yeah, I have no they idea. Destroyed, they destroyed no Bob, and it looks like he just has a little bite. It doesn't look like he's armed, like didn't have a gun or anything. How the fuck did he survive that? Yeah, That's another gripe he I have. He doesn't need this. one. But like... It looks like they just gave him a little love bite and then just moved on. Like, there was no... Like, obviously, he was bleeding out a little bit, but, like, it it didn't seem like they attacked him as effectively as they did. Like, we only had five of them rip Bob to pieces, and Dr. Owens is just the leftover meal of, oh, we're too full to eat you. We'll just give you a little bite and move on. That part bothered me. Maybe they were too full to eat him. Maybe. I mean, Bob did have a lot of meat on him, so that, that could be the reason, but who knows? Exactly. Bob but, had more uh, on his bones. And uh, and Hopper kind of has a funny little conversation with Owens where they he basically says, hey, this is Levin. She's been living with me for the past year. Sorry, I've been lying to you this whole time. Ha ha. <laughs> and it, it's kind of funny because it's like he – Hopper realizes like the balls in his court with Dr. Owens and he's taking it to full advantage where it's like, you know, if you make it out of here alive because I'm helping you, maybe you can, you know, do her a favor and help her out. So Dr. Owens, is at a very, he, Dr. Owens is at a very vulnerable point and Hopper takes full advantage of it. 
which is good on Hopper. But so they, they kind of move on. They finally uh, they get to the gate. And we'll hold off on the rest of this part until we cover the rest of the story arcs because that kind of culminates to the very final scenes. So we'll shift over to the party where we just get a weird, funny scene with Dustin and I think it's Steve or Mike who basically shove the Demogorgon's body in the fridge, as Dustin calls it, for science, which I just thought was funny. It's just like, you're literally at the you know the end of the world type scenario, and Dustin's still worried about conserving his little piece for science, like his discovery, because technically the demo the demo dogs were his discovery, and he's just so concerned about preserving it. And it's like why like why shove it in the fridge? I don't think it was gonna Good fit for him. Yeah, I guess for science. But. <laughs> yeah. So we, we kind of just get a lot of random just interactions. They're all restless sitting around. And they kind of come up with the idea of like, hey, if we go to this little upside down hub where everybody has basically been killed and start, you know, a little fire, we can possibly cause a distraction to help everyone else out. And Steve is completely against it. Steve just wants to kind of sit there and hang tight. And Steve, of course, always goes to the sports analogy. He, he's trying to be like the cool older brother. And Mike quickly shuts him up and he's basically like, look, we're on the bench. We're not even playing. Like all the major players are out. We're on the bench. And Steve's like, yeah, you're right. We're on the bench. But he's like, but we're still going to stay tight. And this is the return to Billy. And Billy shows up. And it was kind of weird how like. Steve just went outside to confront him. They could have just hid, not answered the door, and maybe Billy would have went away. And I just thought it was an odd move. Like, do we think Billy would have broken into the house if nobody answered the door? Wasn't Steve's car there? I, so, I mean, don't I, I think, know. I think seeing a car. No, it wasn't because they all. I think they all walked there. Oh, did they? They all walked there because at the end of, well, in the last episode, they were all at the lab and they hopped into Hopper's car and Hopper drove them to the buyer's house. So no, nobody's car was there because they all left to go elsewhere because Jonathan took the one car to go to Hopper's cabin and Hopper took his car to go to the lab. So there was no cars there. Oh, I think. Yeah, because they took, yeah, because after that they took Billy's car and left. Oh, yeah, that's right. But that was my other little criticism of this episode. It's like, of all people, like, they could have just stayed in the house and not left and just hid and pulled the, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses are at your house. You got to hide and make sure you don't answer the door card. Right. Except instead, Steve decides to do the alpha male challenge and go out and have a conversation with Billy. And it just, nothing goes right for Steve anymore. Steve just has lost all his mojo because he tries to act tough. And it's just a weird interaction between the two of them. Like they're both trying to like beat around the bush of, they want to fight each other, but they're just trying to find the right reason to do it. And 
Billy keeps asking, like, you know, where's my sister? This is really weird. Like, I come to find my sister and I find her here with you. It's just weird. And Steve's like, I don't know who you're talking about. I get why Billy thinks that's odd, though. Oh, it. there's definitely a lot of good reasons to why Billy is weirded out. But we both also know, like, Billy doesn't give a shit about max so he probably well billy's also just pissed because of what happened with his dad exactly so So he's looking just to take out his anger on somebody but he's just waiting for proof before i think he just unleashes out on steve but and of course he gets his he gets his justification by lily going so who's that in the window and of course they're all just stupidly standing in the window staring at them and I was like, come and on. And it's Lucas, too. Which yeah, Luke, he does not like Lucas whatsoever. And Lucas is always, like, just there waiting, almost like it, wanting Steve. It's just, just like the, he's a Zodiac killer the, leaving the party, clues. The party does not have good reputation with Windows. Because we also get the scene in no. the first episode where Mike is just staring at the window at 11 and gives her away. And now we have the whole party literally just staring at the window at Billy, giving themselves away and basically ruins. And Steve's it's not a window, story. but that scene at the, that scene at the arcade where yeah. Lucas tells uh, Max about everything. And Lucas is just like, if you just stayed in the arcade, he would yeah. never see you, but you mm-hmm. had to just step out near the door. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, Billy's just, Billy's just such a racist asshole. And I I just, I don't know what his motives, like why he hates Lucas. Like if it's because he actually is racist and hates Lucas or it's just because it just happens to be the boy that's into Max and he doesn't want Max basically having anybody to go to and escape from him to. Because I feel like Billy almost enjoys being in control of Max and having her as basically a punching bag for when he receives all that abuse from his dad. So I think that's kind of why he hates Lucas so much, because he just doesn't want Max having an escape route from him. But either way, that's just my thoughts on him. And so they finally, Billy comes in and just instantly goes after Lucas. And like, Lucas did no chance, but like Billy was just like going on him and Lucas gives a little fight back and Billy just fucking rips on him. And that's where Steve comes in, saves the day. And that's what Steve's been doing pretty much all the season is just randomly stepping in and saving people and enjoying his role as the bodyguard slash babysitter. And we get the it doesn't infamous... go well for him. And it did not go well for him. Like, see, Steve does not fight well. We saw it last season with Jonathan, and we get it this season with Billy. He's 0 for 2. Yeah, he's got to he's gotta learn. Like, he, he's got to go take, like, Taekwondo. Billy Blank's, like, <laughs> Tybo classes or something and, you know, go, go learn how to fight because my man does not throw a right hook well, yeah. uh, cannot slip a jab. I mean, my God. His face is just a punching bag. Yeah. No bueno. It, it was it was a rough one. It's just funny because like they're all just sitting there 
like cheering Steve on in the background, and Steve's just getting destroyed. And Max steps up and takes one for the team and just stabs Billy right in the neck. And he almost didn't go down right away. Like Billy like kind of resisted it for a minute. And the first time I watched it, I was like, is Billy really gonna like just not go down from this and just take one of them down while he's going down? But then Max just goes to the extreme and basically just starts screaming at him. I think she took what did she take the bat or something and slammed between his legs. Yeah. Like Max, Max took it to an extreme and basically chopped his balls off in that scene and whipped them a little bit. Metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically, yeah. yes. Oh. But I think it, had she accidentally missed and gone a few inches north, it could have been literally. But yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy scene. And I just. I love Max finally stepping up because, like, they're all best friends with Steve at this point, and nobody stepped up to help Steve except for Max, the random girl, as he made fun of her a couple episodes ago. And Max, I think, becomes officially part of the party in this scene. She pulls her weight. So we get a few. Oh, she welcomed the club. Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much her induction was basically facing your fear and destroying your older brother, and now you're part of the party. Even though Eleven wasn't there to see it, and Eleven won't believe it. Eleven will not give her voice of approval yet. So then we move on, and we get Steve waking up in the car, which was a great scene, too, with Max driving... And I don't know if you got the little Indiana Jones reference in this scene. Um, the way she was driving was the same way Short Round was driving in Temple of Doom, where she had like the little brick on the steering wheel. So I thought it was pretty funny with you know, with how much we know they pull on Steven Spielberg references in this in this TV show. That was a pretty good one. And they're just giving him directions of where to go, and Steve just starts fucking freaking out. So I, I just thought that was a pretty fucking funny reaction. Just Steve's like freaking out. Max is trying to drive and she just doesn't know what to do because everybody's just screaming in the car. Dustin's trying to calm him down, like petting his head. He's like, you put up a good fight, but you got your ass kicked. And it was just a good scene. I, I enjoyed it. They have good chemistry. And it all is. the kids... Steve and the kids is just, and Dustin in particular is the one that I like the most. I know I mentioned that, but you, you, you said it in general, Steve good with children, ladies. That's a thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up. Nancy case you're, you're watching. That's a good quality, Nancy. And just Dustin kind of be like the sympathetic little brother. He's like, he kicked your ass, but you put up a fight. Just trying to calm him down. And <laughs> <laughs> trying to be as sympathetic as possible because, I mean, Steve's face looks fucked up because he took so many hits to the face. Yeah. yeah. And that's where Billy definitely was, you know, superior in the fight because he went for the head. Steve's too he passive did. of a fighter and doesn't really go for the headshots. He goes for body, and Billy went right for the head. 
But so we get to the uh, the dig site at the little pumpkin patch, and they're all gearing up, and Steve's still just panicking and trying to shut them up and basically say, we need to go back. Like, we can't do this. They'll kill me if anything happens to you guys. And Dustin, you know, kind of has that little badass line where he's like, you know, a member of the party requires assistance, and it's our duty to provide that assistance. And basically, hand Steve is bad. It's like, we're going in whether you want us to or not. And I, I like that from Dustin because Dustin Dustin has the habit of being that passive player where he doesn't he's not a man of action, but he's always there for it. Whereas this, he's kind of putting putting everything on the court and saying we need to do this regardless of the stakes and tell Steve like we need your help too. So he's like, You're coming in with us. So I like Dustin kind of stepping up a little bit. And I feel like it was kind of inevitable anyway. I mean, you you know that even though they said that they were on the bench, like I just had a feeling like, you know, they're they're gonna do something. They're gonna find some way to be to be of assistance and you know, that's uh definitely the best thing they could have done. Yeah, it's just with the stakes this high, it's like you can't just sit around like and it goes for yeah. any situation, but it's like if you're just sitting there waiting it's like you feel so useless. And it's like there's something, there's always something you can do. And they they had a perfect plan. It's like we know where we can get in. We know where it's most vulnerable. We'll go in and cause some mayhem and see what happens and see if we can give Eleven some time because they all saw Bob get ripped to pieces. They know what's waiting for Hopper and Eleven at that lab. So in their mind, it's like anything we can do to – lessen that burden on them we have to do it and that's what dustin kind of puts across steve's head and it's like we need to do this so we get them going inside and just another you know dustin gets you know attacked by the uh the same thing that got hopper the little upside down juice and he has a much different reaction where he's just on on the ground screaming like a little girl just screaming it's in my mouth it's in my mouth and I have to say, Dustin, Dustin has a very high pitched scream. <laughs> he does. It's just... Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, he definitely does have a high pitched scream, and like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the, like, did that juice like do something? Like, did his lips like get like bigger? Like, I, I like, like, what exactly? <laughs> I did don't that think it do. does anything, but I think it's just because the air down there definitely is toxic to some degree. We just don't know what type of toxic because it definitely affected Hopper's breathing where, to the point where he made a mask, and they all went down there basically putting masks on their face. So they never really explain what the air quality is down there or what's wrong with it, but... Getting sprayed with that stuff, yeah, it probably isn't good for you. We just don't know the stakes of as to what extreme it is. But is there, is there another just, name that we can use besides upside down juice? <laughs> nope, we're sticking with that one. Because <laughs> there's no other, there's no other term for it. That's what we're going with. <laughs> so. 
we get them kind of going around they start spraying stuff all over the hub um i'm guessing it was mostly gasoline or whatever spray chemicals they could find and we just get steve with the lighter and just throws it in and they start running away because obviously the demo dogs are going to come running to that situation because now the mind flayer knows there's someone in the, the kill zone and the demo dogs go running in and we also get another scene where I don't know if you thought this, Nick, but that one scene where everyone got out except for Dustin and Steve, did you expect any of them to get hit? Because um, all those demo dogs were coming and it was like that kind of that hallway scene where it's like death is coming for them and Steve blocks Dustin and kind of gets in the way of them as Steve is. But were you expecting anything bad to happen? No, not really. No, I, I thought they were too important that that the that nothing was going to happen to the character at that point. Okay. I, I, I was just like they're they're too much of main characters to 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 suffer right now. Maybe in like you know later season or something, but yeah, in that moment, no, did not yeah. did not cross my mind. I, I remember the first time I watched, I, I was like, I was very convinced that Dustin was going to get killed. And really make the stakes no. high. Well, the first time I watched it, because I was like, looking back, like, for Steve's character arc, like, Steve never cared, and he was finally just kind of getting into the, like, big brother mode. And I was like, nothing would be more crushing than Steve basically trying to protect Dustin and not succeeding. Like, that would have been an interesting arc for Steve to go down. Of like, I failed. I brought all these kids here, and I wasn't able to rescue them. That would have been a really dark arc to go down, but obviously they, they chose not to, which I'm glad they did because Dustin and Steve are probably the best combination on the show. But that little tangent aside, they all get out and they realize that the demon dogs are being summoned to the gate to basically take on 11 and Hopper who are waiting for them. And with that, we'll shift over to good old, good old Noah Schnapp. And <laughs> we get the little acting out of him in this episode in the, in these scenes where we get Nancy, Jonathan, Joyce, and Mike basically strapping Will down to the bed, and. It gives off very heavy exorcism vibes. Oh, yeah. With um, the power of Christ compels you. I, I was waiting for that to happen, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the holy water. I didn't see it, though. I don't know if either of you have seen like the original Exorcist, but that was very a while ago. Exactly how it would happen. It's like they used rope to tie the daughter down on the bed. And, of course, you know, they turn the heaters up in Hopper's cabin to try and smoke them out. But Will slash the shadow monster is just, like, spat, like, basically convulsing more and just freaking out. And Jonathan is just a little bitch. Like, just he's just, like, turns his head into Nancy and starts, like, crying, like, freaking out. It's like, Mom, you got to stop it. You got to stop it. I'm like, dude, your brother is possessed. And possibly going to die. 
It's either you smoke them out and make them sweat a little bit, or you lose your brother. And instead, you turn and cry. Joyce was thinking about Bob. So it's like, hey, Bob is not going to die for no reason. I'm getting this bitch back. It's crazy because, like, you see that little flashback where you can tell it's she's not thinking about saving Will. And that's what I was mentioning earlier in the episode. It's like, she, like, I think she blames Will a little bit for Bob's death. And you see that because she Mm -hmm. literally has a flashback of Bob and says, fuck you, cranks up the heat even more and just starts screaming at, you know, Will slash the shadow monster of like, get out of my son. And it was heartbreaking, but shocking at the same time, because we never, we've never seen this side of Joyce before. We've always seen frantic and panicked and, you know, just every level of anxious possible and worried. But now we're starting to see anger. And I really enjoyed seeing this part of Joyce because it gives a little more depth to her character, I think. But Jonathan definitely was not able to handle tough mom Joyce. And we get a little bit of a little bit of Noah snap acting where he finally wakes up and basically gets Joyce in one hand is holding him, holding her above him, screaming little demonic shit, just kind of like the, the the exorcism does. And that's kind of about it for Noah Schnapp. We don't get much else out of him, which thankfully for us, we don't. But it's just, it was a cool scene, but again, it it was very, the Duffer brothers did a good job of just keeping it short and not having to focus too much on Will in this episode, because I think they know the stakes are more on Hopper and 11 at this point. I think it's more just for us to see Joyce reacting so negatively because she just lost Bob and she's still in that recovery phase and she's going through the loss of Bob. So I think this was more to focus on Joyce than to focus on Will's character at this point. So we finally get the exorcism completed and the shadow monster comes out and leaves because Nancy fucking stabs Will with the hot poker, which I thought was funny as hell because Jonathan is just hiding and screaming and Nancy kind of steps in and just takes the, the burning hot poker and stabs Will right in the side, which I thought was a little badass moment from Nancy stepping up to the plate to help Joyce out. Yeah, I, I, was, I was curious how the heat of um that was a brand right like that's we can pretty much yeah right it's it's a fire it's a fire poker but they left it in the fire so it was obviously you know it basically branded him when she poked him with it right i'm just i'm just curious that uh how that was the final touch that was needed because they already had so many other things on that like well I that think was it was, what did it. Well, it was because the only source of heat is they had like basically the space heaters and all the lights focusing on Will, but there was no direct skin, like, you know, heat source to skin contact. So it's like the whole time yeah, it's like, yeah, Will, like Will's body was basically protecting the shadow monster from the heat. And it was a 
pretty much a struggle fight between Will's body and the shadow monster. Whereas having that direct source of heat go into Will's skin was kind of like that surge of heat that forced it out. Yeah, that was the that was the cherry on the top. Yeah. So the shadow monster comes out. Now, do we think, based off of how everything played out, do we think that piece of the shadow monster survived? Did it make it to the gate? What are your thoughts on that little bit of the shadow monster? Uh, I you think, think it's it, still alive. I, I think it ties into the final, like the final scene of of the of the episode. Okay. I'll have to ask I, don't to, I don't know if you want me to get into that like right now, but I, I think, yeah, I we'll touch on it because we're we're gonna go to it right now because the next thing we get is Jonathan running outside to basically radio Hopper saying, "Close the gate now." Will's okay, and we get a pretty badass fight scene with Eleven and Hopper tag teaming it, and. I always like the action scenes. Like that's always what I enjoy watching in in any kind of show or movie. If it's got a little action, it's got to be good. And I think they did a great job with this, where they had Hopper basically playing the cover man for Eleven, where Eleven was purely focusing on the gate, and Hopper's just using every gun he has on him to just take them down as to give Eleven as much time as possible. And we got a really cool scene too where Eleven is just using so much power that she starts levitating off the ground. And it just goes to show how powerful she is. And again, we get little flashbacks of Callie and you know her talking to her about how to use your powers. They have to tie that storyline back into it. But that's the only reason they show Callie is basically because she taught Eleven how to focus your powers and really amp them up. How, and, how to harness her energy. Yeah. And basically it was use it's, she goes full Sith. It was use your pain and anger <laughs> and focus it on whatever you want to attack. And 11 just <laughs> unleashes everything she has to the point of when she finally closes the gate, she passes out and just collapses to the ground. But like Hopper's got the M6. Everyone does when they do something like that. Yeah, I, you know, you never have a good fight scene without a little levitation. I mean, I've levitated a few times. You know, it's it's bound to happen. Sure. I guess I'm. I guess I'm not on that level. I don't think that's. Uh, I haven't done just, that before. You're yeah. not focusing your rage enough. I don't think that's happened to me. Well, it's it's because you're too yeah, nice Nick, of a person, Nick. You need to really harness your rage. Hmm. I'll keep that if in mind. You scream, if you scream that, loud that enough, it'll allow you to flow through you. <laughs> oh no, that Although, sounds like an absolute. Can't that's do only it. what Sith deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that scene would have been better with Hopper and Eleven if, with all the Cali flashbacks, if they just had a quick scene of the Emperor going, "Do it, do it, do it." That would have been perfect. <laughs> Do it, eleven. <laughs> yeah. But alas, they didn't do it. But 
So Eleven finally manages to close the gate, and I, they had a couple cool cinematic scenes in this fight scene where they didn't rely so much on the action, but more as the visual of what was going on to kind of amplify it. Where they had the one shot with the shadow monster kind of just peeking out from behind the gate, which I thought was interesting because we've never seen the shadow monster in our reality before. We've always seen it in the upside down, kind of just hovering over things. And this was the first time we actually kind of see it face to face with one of our characters besides Will. And that was a cool scene to see. And then right after Eleven shuts the gate, you get that scene where the camera is looking up at the little elevator shaft where Eleven and Hopper are. And you just see the Demogorgon bodies just kind of falling all over the place. So I, I definitely think they did a great job of kind of using the camera angles to create a better picture of what was really going on and how many of them were going up against Hopper. Yeah, and he 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 had a lot more ammo than uh, you know. It, it, it's, it's well, yeah, he was stra- he was strapping the M sixteen and the shotgun. He he had plenty of plenty of ammunition going on. Yeah, no, which I thought was great because I like that's no, one he, thing they, that's one thing they did realistically because so many shows like the one action trope is where it's just like they have unlimited ammo you never see them reload or switch weapons they just keep yep. firing the same gun uh-huh. they didn't do that they had Hopper run out of ammo and he had to switch to a shotgun and I think that was a great touch because it add a little bit more realism in the stakes of hoppers running out of ammo and there's more demo demo dogs coming. Yep. So 11 really needed to harness that rage and close that gate. Otherwise they probably would have gotten overrun pretty quick. But with that, that kind of ties up the end of the main bulk. And then we get the one month later, sign that comes on and we get a great scene a little cameo of murray in this episode and just i love murray just chilling out in front of the government lab just just waving goodbye to everybody as they they roll out and he's just kind of sulking in the success of the little operation and we see a little mini shot of a funeral murray was very Sorry, Murray was very well utilized in this season. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, they had to because it was his, you know, it was his first season on the show. And I think they definitely set him up for, I don't know if they were planning to use him again. And obviously we know he comes back in the next seasons, but I think they wrote his character with the intention of having him come back which is why I think they had him show up at the season finale just to kind of send them off, but let us know like, Hey, Murray's actually still around and hasn't left yet. But, and then we get the funeral for Barb. So we, we know that there's been closure and hopefully the bar's parents haven't sold the house yet because now they know their daughter's a lot or daughter's dead, but not missing. And we get a little uh, conversation between Hopper and Dr. Owens at the little bar. 
and Dr. Owens basically did Hopper a favor and got a birth certificate for Eleven, basically making her his legal daughter, which was a solid move for from Dr. Owens. And they have a quick little conversation of like, you know, have her lay low for another year and then she can start kind of going out into the world. And Hopper asked for the one exception day, and it turns out to be for the snowball dance, which we get for the final scenes of the episode, where we get the party getting ready for it, and it's just kind of like that awkward teenage getting ready for a dance, which I never had to worry about because I never went to those dances. And Dustin is taking all of Steve's advice for his hair. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I no, remember because we had we had seventh grade dances together, but at least from my memory, they were very, very different. Well, damn. your memory is false, because I did not go to those dances. Maybe you weren't there, but I was there. I didn't you do were there. anything there. I know that for a damn fact. You, but you I tried, know that to, be, our seventh you grade tried dances, to be a stud in a ladies' man in middle school, but... Wait, I, wait, I, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I accepted hold my on, fate. I knew I would. How would you know if you weren't there? How would you know if you weren't there? Liar. Because I know you, Mitchell. I know Liar. you were trying to... He brings up a good question. I, I can see you were there. Water. I know you were there. I was but not our there. Our seventh grade dances were a lot less... Our seventh grade dances, at least from memory, were a lot less leave room for Jesus and a lot more booty sweat. For at least well, from what I remember, I don't, I don't know what kind of experiences you had, but I did not go. The only dance I, I didn't ever have them. Was it was just, <laughs> hey, I don't know what kind of sweat you got going on over there, but the the only dance booty I ever sweat. went to, obviously, <laughs> obviously, the only dance I ever went to was my senior prom. That was it. I didn't do my junior prom. No, you were there for I, we we had several just like socials in sixth and seventh grade, and they were always just like uh booty 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 rocking everywhere at like a billion decibels, and kids were sneaking in alcohol in seventh grade. That's what happened. And I tell I, that to people here. I really like, wish I could hell? go into your brain and figure out who you who you're thinking of at these dances. You were there. I was not there. It happened. You were there. Did yes, you, you did you just Damn. did you just miss me that much that you just recreated an image, imaginary Tom to hang out with at these parties? Yes, because I needed someone <laughs> with an even worse chance than me there. Oh well, I'm Damn, sorry. I, I accepted my fate. <laughs> I was not I was not a ladies' man in middle school. I was not going to go down without a fight. Uh, And by fight, I mean I stood in the corner and just walked (laughs) around with a few people. No, I could see you being the dust and just walking up like, hey, shall we? And just getting rejected. I wish I had the balls to do that, but I did not. (laughs) I I did that in in my eighth grade dance, and – my eighth grade dance, I actually had some success, and I had my first dance ever uh, to the least romantic song on the face of the planet. I don't even—I don't even know what that would be. I'm trying to. There's so many of them. Eighth I know. grade, just... 2008. Think I'm back. trying to think of the popular songs back then. I—I'm I, drawing a blank. Was it a song by Nickelback? No. <laughs> oh. 
No, it was a song called uh, I Want to Make Love in This Club by Usher. And it's about having sex in public. <laughs> Nothing uh, gets that booty sweat rocking like a little bit of Usher right. at an eighth grade dance. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. So uh, let's, let's get back to. Uh, let's let's tie know, this back to. Nancy and. Nancy and Dustin. Uh, before we even get to Nancy and Dustin, Steve and Dustin. Steve is just going full big brother mode. He has fully embraced it. Yes. Dro- he drove Dustin to the dance. He didn't even make his like everyone else got dropped off by their moms. But no, Nancy Steve came through. Nancy. That's a good that's a good quality right there, Nancy. But you know what? We get a full reversal from the season one finale where we have Jonathan coming to see Nancy and Nancy and Steve are together and they have that awkward moment where it's like, Oh, he's still here. Whereas now Steve's looking at Nancy who's with Jonathan and he kind of just like, all right, this is how it is and drives off. And we have Nancy and Jonathan give a little, you know, little flirty looks at each other. They're happy. And then we get poor Dustin just rejected left and right. And I want I want justice for Dustin because fucking Noah Schnapp got a date. Some random girl just comes up to him and asks him for a dance. And Dustin gets nothing. To which he didn't even want to do. Yeah, I know. He was Dick. just like, pass. Yeah. I was like, god damn. I was like, poor Dustin. Just, ah. I feel so bad for him every time I watch that scene. I'm like, just he just wants to, you know. Just spread his confidence and have a little dance and just gets rejected. His poor hairdo. Dustin does get some confidence. I mean, as well, far yeah. as pity dances go, I thought that Nancy and Dustin had a, you know, a, a 10 out of 10 as far as that goes, you know? And and Nancy definitely. It was Nancy less Duff pity and more just like, here you go, kid. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to get better. And I think this was a good callback, too, from literally the very first episode of the show where Dustin tells Mike, like, hey, what's up with your sister? She used to be cool and stuff like that. I think this was kind of a good coming back moment to that where Nancy comes through for Mike's friends and helps Dustin out in a bad situation. And we see a little bit of uh, Mama Nancy coming through. So we've got Big Bro Steve and Big Sis Nancy coming through the wind and just creepy Jonathan sitting over there taking pictures with his camera. He's the creepy uncle. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. He's just creepy. It doesn't matter what context. He's just creepy dude. Yep. And we get them all dancing. Eleven shows up and her and Mike have that little awkward but cute moment. And then we have a little scene with Joyce and Hopper kind of bonding outside. And Joyce is just still stuck in that. She's gone through so much trauma, not just now with Bob, but with Will too. And she's she's just she just refuses to leave Will's side. And I feel like it's gonna be like probably like that for the rest of his life because it's two seasons now of just pure trauma. And Hopper's kind of comforting her, saying, you know, it doesn't really get easier. But they have a cute little moment. And then we got the final scene of the season two finale where we have that creepy little music playing. We get to zoom out from Hawkins middle school 
And what do you know, we shift to the upside down where we see the Mind Flayer standing over Hawkins Middle School. And that is the season two finale. So with that, Nick, what did you think of season two as a whole? As a whole, um, I think uh, I think I see why you guys are not as like big into this season. Um, you know, I obviously haven't seen three or four, but I think uh, just given like the scores and the events that have transpired, I felt like I, I hate to use like bored but some some episodes were just like eh, very meh very meh but yeah. i will say the the last episode made up for a lot and i'm i'm rating this one lower like i'm just getting that out of the way already but i think as far as like the the episode and how it was closed out i think it closed out good all things considered i didn't hate it i didn't love it but i could i could live with it i i think with this one they definitely learned a little bit of a lesson from season one where season one they they tied everything together but then they didn't leave any sort of cliffhanger for people to like want more like they revealed 11 was still alive and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Whereas this one, they kind of left you off on a scene of what the fuck is going on? Because obviously we see the mind flare over Hawkins middle school where they all, they all are. And you're just kind of like, well, what's going on? So yeah. I, I like how they ended it on more of not necessarily a cliffhanger, but just like a, like what the fuck's going on kind of question. And what's to come for season three. And it makes you want more. Where season one just kind of... They didn't leave that cliffhanger taste in your mouth. So definitely that was the nice ending parting note for season two. Yeah, I agree. So with that, Mitchell, do you have any comments before we do ratings? Uh, I will save it for my rating as far as my overall wrap-up. Okay. Then uh, let's start our ratings. I, I'll kick it off. I'm going to give this one a 8.9. Ooh, close to what I was going to say. Oh, yeah? I, like, I, I enjoyed it. It's a good episode. I I really enjoyed the fact that we did get everyone all in the same room together for a scene. I enjoyed that we got more of a Dustin-Steve relationship growing from this episode. The just the overall excitement of the episode, I don't think was as high. Like last episode was definitely, definitely the climax of the season. Like everything was going on and there's a lot of suspense. Whereas this wasn't as suspenseful. Like it's the last episode you knew something was going to get resolved. So there was no really high stakes for Will's character. You knew 11 being the main character. She was probably going to live because they wouldn't repeat the season one finale of her basically killing herself again. So the stakes weren't really as high for this season finale. So it, it was still enjoyable. I really enjoyed this episode. 
this and the last episode were definitely the main parts of season two I enjoyed, but as a whole, it just it didn't really have that big peak of excitement for me. So I'll leave it at your that. Your grade your grade from season one was an eight point three eight and it dropped to a seven point nine five for season two, the average. So makes sense. Just below that eight mark. The the uh the Cali episode I'm sure didn't help that. <laughs> no, no, that definitely dropped things off a bit. But uh Nick, your rating? I would say for many of the reasons that you just laid out, um I would I was gonna go with an eight point six. I felt that the last two episodes were the best two episodes of the entire season. I don't think the way it closed out was bad, but it wasn't, I think, everything I maybe thought it would be. I think you brought up a good point that, you know, something was definitely going to get resolved. It was just a, a matter of, like, the method. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I, I think them going through the whole process of, hey, let's, let's heat will and like roast the you know the virus out i think that whole thing kind of like angered me after it because you know not that i would have thought to do that sooner but i feel like for all the people that they have in the group i feel like maybe that thought process of hey maybe we shouldn't give the monster what it wants i i I think i thought that would have happened sooner so I think yeah, after that, that like, is a good point. It just because... kind of was like, really? Like all you had to do was just like get him in a sauna. Like that to me is how I felt about that. I'm like, <laughs> really? Like you could have just thrown him in a sauna and like that, that solved like kind of your problem. Like, I, I know that's an exaggeration, but that's, that's how it felt. Cause I was like, really? Like this is how I we're doing that. this. I, I like your mention of a sauna. Um, that would be a good way to, uh, flush the shadow monster out uh, yeah like steam room like, i mean like that's like yeah it's just kind of what what it felt so for for me it's like you know how do you how do you beat what you feel what you think is like a paranormal shadow monster heaters like that i don't yeah. know like it just something didn't click for me but it's like i get it because you know he's like oh he he likes it cold, so they just yeah. do the opposite. So yeah. Right, so Nick, you dropped from an eight point two in season one to a seven point four eight in <sighs> season two. So you had Rough. a much bigger drop <laughs> off. And we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get Connor's rating um, when he watches it, probably hopefully tomorrow, and we'll we'll update that. All right, we'll start you, season three. You guys want to? predict where i'm going we we definitely will um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say an 8.82 i am feeling a 8.55 all right right. well for this episode i'm gonna go with an 8.78 Mm, that's that's where I stand mm. on things. Uh, Tommy, you got close. 
So dude, he so close, close, but so not, close, so close. Not cl- not quite. Uh, this was my favorite episode of the season so far, or of the season. It's the last one, but I think a lot of that has to do with the kind of Steve getting where I like Steve as far as his character goes. I think characters started making a little bit more smarter decisions, or at least the emphasis wasn't on as much of the dumb stuff that we kind of talked about. Uh, the yep. love triangle took a backseat towards the end. Uh, and I, I really liked the return of Eleven to the group. I thought that that was strong, not having her uh, isolated uh, for the for the return um, yep. for or for the end of the 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 season after that god awful seventh episode. Bring her <laughs> back into things, and I think it sets the table nicely for season three. That I am very I've already started watching. It, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and I, I've I'm a big book. fan of 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 the next. The next two seasons, it, it it's it's this will be uh, interesting for me because season three I've watched several times now since it's come out. Season four I have only watched once. That's the only season of the show that I've only seen once. So I'm excited to get to season four and rewatch that again. And it's very hard for me right now to not go ahead and start watching it. But yeah, yeah, season three is definitely. I my, dropped my off favorite. the most. Tommy, you dropped off about point. You dropped off about point four. Nick dropped off about point eight, and I dropped off a whole point. I went from eight point six five to seven point five nine. So I fell off hard with this season, and right now the three of us, or or just given where Connor's at right now. Because Connor's currently at an eight point four, our average dropped from an eight point five zero to a seven point seven six. So a definite drop off from season one to season two. Unless Connor comes out and gives this a like a sixteen point five, <laughs> which I don't think is going to happen, this is going to be a uh, a dip. Which but which you and I, I did predicting where. Yes. We will definitely see a rise in season three. Season three will definitely bring things back on track. Yes. So, I agree. With now, that, there are some people that don't like up. season three, and season season one and two are considered kind of more – because I, I can see where the last – the next two seasons are a little bit more high budget. Yeah. And season one and two are a little bit more uh, just kind of not backyard, but just smaller. They're yeah, not season, as season three definitely does more more world building and kind of brings more things into the threshold of the show. Yeah, but yeah. With that, I say we wrap this. And, uh, yeah, I, I think up. that that's a that's a good way to put a bow on season two. Thank you for joining us for the first two seasons of Stranger Nerds. We are excited to get into the third season of things, and I know that uh, Nick and Connor. Don't quite know what to expect. Tommy and I, a little bit more excited because we do know certain things that are coming. Oh, yes. And uh, we're, we're, we're ready to dive right back into definitely, that. Definitely so my favorite join us. We're going to have... Really? Okay. Well, well, we'll get into all of the reasons why in the next yep. few weeks. Thank you for watching Season 2 with us and listening to us spout out our opinions about it. So uh, for Nick Izzo, Tommy Grant, and... 
Connor Vandemark, who will be with us shortly for season three. We are the Jersey Nerds. This has been Stranger Nerds, episode 18, season two finale. And thank you for joining us.